Thanks for that, Clive. Great words there. Well, I'm always excited to be in the house of God, to hear the word of God. And these days we have so much good preaching available to us from everywhere. But um, I hope that we have some of the greatest preachers in Australia here in our own homegrown church. So today, as you see on the screen, we're looking at Transformation Part 2. If you missed Part 1, it's available on our podcasts. You can look up uh, One Heart Church and you'll find our podcast. You can click on that on your computer and you can listen to Part 1. And today is Part 2. So I really hope that Part 2 really uh, anchors in some of the things we learnt in Part 1. So um, I want you to start the year well. I want individuals to start the year well in our church so that we together, corporately, can, in, can end the year great. So turn to someone next to you and say, we're going to end the year great. We are going to end the year great and we're going to start the year well. You didn't have to say that part, I was just uh, filling in for you. Just want to remind the church of our vision, our vision statement that is, and that is to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community. This isn't school, but it sounds like that. But I, I said on Friday night, we had a really great night on Friday night after our prayer and fasting, and uh, I said on Friday night, the only thing I want you to have tattooed in your mind that's all, the only place, is in your mind is that vision statement as um, who we are and what we're trying to achieve here in this city. Um, but uh, our vision statement it is a prophecy. So people might hear that and go, what's he talking about? It's not what we have right now, it's faith. It's not, it's not what we see right now, it's faith. So it's not what we have, it's what we're becoming, it's what we're growing into. And I might say it a bit later on, but on Friday night what I was sharing at that service was the word for our church for 2016, the word for you is grow, is the whole, the whole message. And sometimes I get these things just randomly, it comes and I think about it and think, well, um, that's just for one meeting. But I really think you're going to hear a lot this year about the, the need to grow the need to grow spiritually in your experience with the things of God. So a few weeks ago, I spoke about transformation. And I'll give you some revision. So if you didn't get here that, that Sunday, um, you get it all this morning. But back then, we learned to change. We have to change from the inside out. And although we may want to change and we can try and change, we often don't change. It's the old um, New Year's New Year's resolution type of thing. You think, I'm not going to have chocolate, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to do all those things that I've always wanted to do, but then we find after two or three days we've forgotten that resolution and we haven't changed. But when we concentrate on changing a habit or a behaviour, rather than changing our internal issue, we end up where we started. So have you ever done that? You think, I'm not going to do this anymore, I'm going to stop. And, and all you're thinking about is that thing that you want change and you make that the, the whole, whole focus of everything and you find that it consumes you even more. But we have to deal with something internally so that we can deal with the issues that are affecting us. 
So today we're going to continue with that theme of transformation as it affects our mind. So Romans chapter 12 verse 2, if I turn this on, there we are, sorry, I've missed a a PowerPoint there for you but that's okay. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who's ever heard that, that scripture before? We've preached it a lot. But transformation is the completeness of changing from the inside out. And I'm going to put this to you this morning, only Jesus can do that in you. It's changing from the inside out. It's not, it's not you know putting on makeup to change your appearance. It's not changing your clothes. You know, these days you see lots of things on Facebook. I'm sort of discovering Facebook and I love putting things on and people think it's Pauline. And you'll never be able to tell the difference. But some of the things you see on Facebook is they'll, they'll, they'll say they'll get homeless people and they'll, they'll do them up. They'll give them a haircut and trim their beards and, and change their clothes. And you think, wow, this guy looks like a corporate executive. And 10 minutes ago, he was, he, he was just sleeping in the street. Um, but we're not talking about changing our appearance as such. It's changing our internal issue that causes us to be totally transformed from, this is the key, from the inside out, not from the outside in. And, and I think often uh, church experiences is trying to affect people from the outside in. And, and you need to dress right. You need to have the right shoes and the right pants and the right shirt. And you can't preach unless you look like this. Have a haircut, trim your beard, wear some deodorant. Well, that's one you should do. Second Timothy 1.7 tells us, again, I should have a, a, um, PowerPoints for these. I don't know where they've gone. But 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 in the New Living Translation says it like this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. But again, in another version of, of that same scripture, in the um, King James Version, the word self-discipline reads... And a sound mind. That means a calm mind, a clear mind and an alert mind about spiritual things. God has given us an alertness to spiritual concepts if we allow ourselves to be attuned to that. Is that making sense to you this morning? So when, when when Paul was writing this letter to Timothy... He says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. So if you have fear, it didn't come from God. If you're timid, it didn't come from God. But he says he's given you power, love and a sound mind. And I want to tell you this morning, perhaps your issue in life is you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. God wants to take that away and give you a sound mind. Give you clarity of thought so you can think clearly. Not be confused all the time. Because here's a little thing for us uh, Pentecostals this morning. Thinking is a spiritual virtue. And God wants you to think right. One of the benefits of the Holy Spirit is to help you think. Living by the Spirit doesn't mean you don't think. It means you think better. 
because you think with a spiritual perspective. Um, we have been working through another thing over the last year about alignments in life. And the last one, part five, I hope I can get to next week, will be alignment with heaven. That's having our, our life aligned with the kingdom of God in the way we think and the way we behave and how we live. So we can look forward to that one next week. But one of the benefits of the Holy Spirit is to help you think. Because there's a lot of times we have people come to us and they're, they're, the issue is they just don't know what to think. They're confused. They're, they're listening to lots of voices. One says you should do this, someone else says do that. Uh, family wants me to, to be like this and work wants me to be like that and church wants me to be like this. Well, how do I think in all of this stuff? See, we can live our life trying to keep everyone else satisfied with who we are but the main one we need to keep satisfied is Jesus Christ who we need to be understanding what what he wants out of us first Corinthians see if we got that one yes we have I'm not going to read it all out to you this morning but I've just made some paraphrase points from first Corinthians 2 verses 10 to 16 firstly that we see in this scripture is only the Holy Spirit can reveal God's thoughts. And sometimes we're trying to interpret life and reading all the things that that we see around us, but we really don't know what God's thoughts are towards you. You know something? I've said this before, but God absolutely wants you to succeed in everything in your life. God is for you so incredibly much, if that's good English, it doesn't matter, but God wants you to succeed so incredibly much. That'll do Number Verse 12, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. See, there is a spirit from the world. That's a, that brings deception. That take, leads us down the wrong path. That leads us into tunnels that take you nowhere. That's the spirit of the world. But the spirit that, um, who is from God is the Holy Spirit who wants to lead you into freedom, wants to lead you into the unlimited resources of God, wants to lead you to that place of feeling and sensing his glory in everything. You know, sometimes you can get in a state in life that you can't even notice whether it's sunny or cloudy today. That's not where God wants you to live. He wants you to see, he wants you to see past the clouds, even on a cloudy day, and see the glory of God in everything. Verse 13 says, We speak spiritual truth taught by the Spirit. So we've got to change our language when we're infused and when we're being impacted by the Holy Spirit. It's a really important one. Verse 14, without the Holy Spirit, you can't accept the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. You know, something very frustrating when you're trying to explain spiritual concepts to someone whose mind doesn't get it. Because these things have got to be revealed by the Holy Spirit. I think it's in Romans it says people's minds have been darkened by a veil who who um, haven't been saved yet and it prevents them from hearing the good news. But that's where the Holy Spirit comes in and the Holy Spirit's uh, work and purpose among people is to remove the veil so that the, the darkness is taken away so they can understand. It's quite an an amazing transfer because I I know I've I've led people to believe in Jesus who started off saying, I don't even believe that there is a God. I've never thought about it. It's so foreign to me. I just find it totally strange and and unrealistic. And three weeks later, they're they're in 
They're in church weeping and crying, saying, oh, I sense God, I sense Jesus. I believe now, because it's not, it's not an intellectual thing, it's a spiritual thing. And we can't manufacture that. We've got a desire to create a church that has that experience for people. Verse 15 says, The spiritual man makes judgments about all things. He knows what to do in every situation. That's the kind of man I want to live. The kind of person you want to be. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things. So you need to be able to, to uh, be confident about, well, I know where God wants me right now. I know what things I can pick up and what things I can let go without feeling guilty or shamed or, or you know, otherwise manipulated. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, this is the, the opposite of, of all those things. Did I have verse 16? No, I didn't. But most of life's outcomes aren't generated by what has happened to us, but how and what we think of ourselves in our mind. So, you know, I find it amazing when people have had such a horrific life and you think, but they're so positive. But they're so fun to be around. And you think, they've had such a messed up, life and there's other people who, who've hardly anything's ever happened to them they've had like an awesome life and yet they're depressed they're, 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 they're angry they're, they're never satisfied and it's not because of what's happened to us in life it's the way in which our mind interprets how your life is and if we're interpreting everything as negative then we'll, we'll be uh, producing negativity out of us so how you process life in your thinking of yourself is what you will be. It is often the case that we tell ourselves things like, oh, I could never do that. Or that won't work for me. Because we're, we're, we're trained ourselves on a negative path. So it's important we learn how to reset our thinking because it affects our life. And it's, it's not, it's, this is not a mind control issue. This is all talking about getting Jesus into our spirit, getting Jesus into our soul and into our life and into our mouth and into our mind so that we create uh, something fresh and new and alive from our inside out. Also, Nick, it's great to have Nick. He comes every year uh, and, and stays up at Arno Bay and comes and joins us once a year for church. And it's always encouraging to see Nick and his sons here. I think they've grown up about a foot each year. But that's been awesome to see. But have you ever done something and regretted it and said, I don't know what I was thinking? I have plenty of times. When Pauline says, who put the washing in the washing machine? I say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Because I just chucked it all in. And I didn't put the bras and that in the little bag. I just put them in. <laughs> I'm trying. Ephesians 4 verse 17 and 19 describes the mind of people without Jesus and without the Spirit. And I want to tell you something. I want to, I want to really motivate you, encourage you and inspire you to desire a greater relationship with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you think, well, I got baptised in the Holy Spirit at youth camp in 1975, so I, I know all about it. Well, I want us to go stepping deeper into more, more levels of the Holy Spirit. And we don't, have, we don't have levels of, well, there's a, there's a gold class and there's a, a, a silver class and there's a dirt class. It's not that. 
It's just about there's always constant move, uh, room to move in the things of God if we're open to discover more. So where we're at to? Um, describing the mind of people without Jesus, uh, without the Spirit. We just looked at the, the, the positives before, now some negatives. People without the Spirit are hopelessly confused. There is no need for a believer in Jesus Christ to live in a constant state of confusion. That's not coming from God. So you need to be asking yourself, why is there so much confusion? Why am I so unsure of myself? Why do I, why do I second guess everything and, and try and analyse everything that everyone says? That's not coming from God. People without God are hopelessly confused. People without God, their minds are full of darkness. So they, they're interpreting negativity about everything and about everyone. Um, it says they, want, they wander far from God's purposes. So you think God's purpose is to, 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 you know, I don't know, whatever it is that God's purpose is for a life, but they wander far from God's purpose. And they've got hard hearts against God. So even when God's blessing them and filling their life with, with things that they should be thankful for, they're saying, well, you know, I don't see that from God. I did that from my own, from my own smartness or my own you know, sense of ability. And it says they have no sense of shame. I was thinking about this this morning, and it's a really dumb analogy, but I remember you know, construction industry workers, because I, I am one really, I'm just disconnected at the moment. But they had no sense of shame, so their, their greatest you know, uh, brags are like the time they knock off on, on, the, on the last day of work coming up to Christmas, what time they can knock off and start sucking on crownies. If you're not, if you ask Michael if you want to know what that means. It's like crownies, they're like beers. It's like if, if, you, if you had a really awesome boss, a really good company to work for, they provide crownies on the last day of work and by, by 10 o'clock in the morning if you're having a crownie, you won't use that term, if you're having a crownie then mate, you are it. But they've got no sense of shame. It's like that's nothing to be, be glorying in. Like, whoa, we, by 10 o'clock we're already drinking. By, by 5 o'clock we're at the Chinese restaurant. We're, we're urinating on the table and I've seen it all. They've they got no sense of shame. They, they're, they're giving themselves a glory trip from, from something they should be ashamed of. They live for lustful pleasure and they practice every kind of impurity. That's those... Without Jesus, without the Spirit. If we move on, Ephesians 4, verses 20 to 23, we enter Jesus to the picture. It says this, that isn't what you learned about Christ, all those things we just saw. That isn't what you learned about Christ, since you have learned the truth that comes from him. So when we think of that word, you know you've learned something when it becomes natural to you. That's when you know you've learnt something is when you know you can handle it, when you can live it and do it. It says, throw off, discard, get rid of your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature created to be like God. I might alienate a lot of people here, but I might make a few friends too. Who's ever heard of King Curtis? <laughs> look, up, look up on YouTube, King Curtis. He's the most eloquent eight-year-old I've ever heard. 
But we need to, we need, I've kind of, I'll try and do a little thing of King Curtis, but I've sort of adjusted his, his, one of his sayings a little bit. Old life, I've been nice to you, but now I'm coming to the edge. Because King Curtis, he's in one of these wife shop, wife swap shows, you know, and his dad, you know, in America, they have these wife swap and they send a lady who's really neat into a house that's really messy and all this stuff. Well, King Curtis is, is he's from a house that eats all junk food and all that, so they get this really healthy mum to come into that house and his mum goes to her house, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, he says to this new lady, his new mum, he says, you know, Joy, I've been nice to you, but now I'm coming to the edge. <laughs> One of his other things is, Hang on, hang on, hang on, wait a minute. Bacon is good for me. I just watch it over and over again. I agree with him. I learned it from Leanna. She's put me onto him. But we need to say, old life, I've been nice to you, but now I'm coming to the end. You're all going to be looking up King Curtis now. So you were born with a sinful nature. I was born with a sinful nature, but you don't have to live by that nature. I don't think we can ever fully disconnect from it, but we don't have to give it the right of way every day. See, Paul said, I struggle because I want to do the right thing, but I find myself the thing I don't want to do is what I always do. We're never going to be totally, fully separated from that. We just need to know that and we need to discover how we make the most of the best that God has given for us. John 3.3 in the New Living, no, the Good News Translation. This is not working. Can you swap that for me, please? You'll have to take over for me because once I do that, that's it. I'll lose all control. John 3, 3. Jesus answered, I'm telling you the truth that no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. And I don't know where you're at with your experience from God, but, but you need to come to that place of being born again, being made fresh in God. It's about a new start, another chance, an opportunity to leave the past behind. Baptism, by the way, is a powerful symbol of leaving the old life behind so that we can follow Jesus. That's why we do baptism. And one of the things I, I know here when we baptise people is there's been incredible um, outpouring of the Holy Spirit on people while they've been here being baptised. It's not something we plan or expect to happen, but, but I know... People have just said, I just was incredibly uh, impacted by the presence of God while I was being baptised. But it's an it's a expression, it's a, a declaration that we're leaving our old behind in the water when we're being baptised. It's a form of, of uh, signifying that our old life is dead and we're going to leave it behind yeah. in the water. Yeah. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, oh, what was that? Wait, oh yeah. Someone's been playing with my with my things. Acts 1 verse 8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, 
and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, a lot of the time we read this scripture and I've heard it preached a lot of times. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so we're thinking, whoa, I want power. I want to be able to, I want to, be able to you know, do powerful things and lift up cars and, and <laughs> jump tall buildings with a single bound and all this power. But then we, we disregard the rest of the scripture and you will be my witnesses. Basically, we're not in Jerusalem, but you'll be my witnesses in Port Lincoln, in, in Tumby Bay, in Alliston, and to the other ends of the earth. So we, the, the whole, the whole um, priority that God has on allowing the Holy Spirit to come into our life is so that we can witness for Jesus effectively and powerfully. And so that we can make a cha- life changes in other people's lives. So... Baptism in the Holy Spirit, I believe, is for every believer and takes us beyond our natural capacity and transforms our mind. I love this next bit. (laughs) Never mud wrestle with a pig. You get dirty and the pig loves it. I'd never heard that before. Who's ever heard that before? Joanna has. She's probably mud wrestled a few pigs. I've never heard that before. But I want to tell you something. The devil loves to wrestle your mind into the mud of the past. That's his favourite hobby. He will love to get you like, uh, like that pig in his, on his turf and say, come on, let's have a roll around in the mud and I'm going to make all that mud stick to you and you're going to get all smelly and you're going to get all dirty and, and I'm going to bring you right back to where I want you to be. He loves to wrestle your mind into the mud of the past. But Jesus wants to work on your heart so he can alter how your head thinks. He doesn't want you in the pig pen anymore. He wants to take you beyond that. He wants to alter your heart that affects your head. When your heart has Jesus in the right place, he will alter you. That's when you get to the place of transformation. And that's ultimately where We should be aiming, God, I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I can be all that you want me to be. And, you know, when when people start to do that, I I know of guys who who had, you know, uh, one guy had a carpentry business in Adelaide and uh, God was working on his mind, transforming his life, and he went from that to going overseas on the mission field and they started schools and um, hospitals and all sorts of, you know, things that they they started in this African country and he just allowed the Holy Spirit to transform his mind and then follow the leading of where the Holy Spirit wanted him to go. There's so many stories of people where if they just would allow the Spirit to transform their thinking and their, their way of life and say, Jesus, do with me and lead me and just see what God will do with your life when Jesus is in the right place. So this year, I want to ask you to endeavour to go on a spiritual discovery. There is more to your life than you think, and the word for us this year is grow. Turn to someone next to you and say grow. Turn to the other person and say bacon is good for me. I read this earlier this month. 
and I, sh- I preach a bit about it on Friday night, but here's something I, I, I want to share with you because we need, to, we need to get these principles aligned in our life so that we can really make the most out of this year. Because I don't want us to end at the end of another year and say, oh, you know what, nothing really changed in me. I'm still doing the same. I'm still being the same. I'm still thinking the same. I'm still talking the same. I've still got the same friends. I still do the same stuff. And you know what, I really, I'm really not satisfied. But I'm not dissatisfied enough that I don't want to change. I want to do everything that I can to motivate you. The world needs what God put in you. And if you don't do it, no one else is going to. So here's what I read. We are designed and made by God for growth and maturity. Both are essential for our spiritual well-being. If we remain spiritually static, we begin to atrophy. And I said on Friday night, I had to look up what atrophy meant. What's it mean? It means we waste away. It means we waste away. So if we remain spiritually static, we begin to waste away. We will become unfulfilled, frustrated and unhappy. The lack of spiritual development causes more unhappiness than almost anything. If you're not thriving spiritually, you are a disconnected, uh, sorry, a discontented person. So my hope is one heart. This church is to be a place of joy and gladness. That when we come here, whatever has been going on, we find our joy back. We get our motivation back. We get our focus back. And we want to give back because we're not discontented but thriving and growing. So the natural thing is, God, you're doing things in my life I want to give back. I want to be part of. I want to be in it. I want to be seeing your kingdom come on earth and doing all those things. So can I just have the musicians back and come and join me? I'm going to give you, I think, about six or seven, maybe there's eight of them, results of a transformed mind that will help you to keep growing. So I want to help you to keep growing this year. So I said on Friday night, I'm referring a lot to that, but I said on Friday night, there are three key areas, this is not part of our message this morning, but three key areas that will help you to grow, if you can jot these down. Be in church as much as you can. Read your Bible every day and talk to God and pray. I can almost guarantee if you would commit yourself to fellowship, the Word and praying, your life will transform. Your thinking will change. Your perspectives will be altered. The ability to do things and and go into things and take things on that you thought you never could will be dramatically different if you follow those three things. But results of a transformed mind that will keep you growing here they are a transformed mind looks like this they all start with P purpose Romans 16 verse 26 a transformed mind connects you back to your purpose and and it all starts when you start believing what God's saying believing what you're reading in, in, in your Bible and start believing all those things and then you obey it that's the first platform here. A transformed mind looks like you get your purpose back. Second thing is provision. Matthew 6 verse 8. It's about trusting God for all you need. It says God knows your needs even before you do. And 
when we start to say, well, God, you know me from the inside out. You know what I need right now. And sometimes we make our perspective all about what we need, but we don't really believe that God's going to be able to supply that need. Provision is a... Trusting God for your provision is a, is a result of a transformed mind. Third thing that happens is our perspective changes. Psalm 119 verse 105 talks about a renewed mind. A renewed mind can see over the horizon, around the corner, and what's up ahead. Psalm 119 verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When we're in the world, sorry, when we're in the word, I should say, life is navigated from heaven's perspective. When we're living in the Word, when we're understanding what God's principles are, we're living from heaven's perspective in everything. The fourth key is power. Acts 1.8 A renewed mind is not at the mercy of our circumstances. Because circumstances sometimes aren't always good, aren't always easy. But Jesus promised you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit fills you. Number five, protection read in Daniel 3 verse 16 to 18 that Daniel and his friends were commanded and told to worship a gold statue that was set up by a king and he says anyone who doesn't worship the statue will be thrown into a thrown into a furnace and burnt to death but they said you know we're not going to worship your statue no matter what and so they were convicted and thrown into the furnace and God Save them from the fiery furnace and they came out unscathed because one of the things of a renewed mind is God will allow us his protection so Daniel and his three, three friends refused to bow to the king of Babylon and God is able to save us from the furnace in every situation six, number 6 personality 2 Corinthians 5.17 you are changed as you experience the relationship with Jesus and as that relationship grows and and your knowledge of him grows your personality will change so it'll be less of you and more of Jesus will be seen so if anyone is in Christ this is what the Bible tells us they are a new creation the old things have passed away again let's say goodbye let the old life die let's say old life I'm coming to the edge when you think about that you say old life I'm coming to the edge time to push the old life off and we move on old life I've been nice to you but we don't need to be nice to the old life anymore number seven brings us perseverance Hebrews 12 verse 1 a renewed mind won't give up because it starts fresh with every new challenge Run with endurance the race that God has set before you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Perseverance. Number eight is peace. Isaiah 26 verse 3. He will give you perfect peace whose mind is set or stayed on the Lord. So when you start to think, well, through my life, my main perspective is what does God think? My main reason will be what does Jesus want? When we start to live like that, we have that peace. Number nine, patience. Romans 8.25. A renewed mind can wait. 
doesn't need everything right now. Romans 8.25 tells us, wait patiently and confidently because God's timing is always right. And we need to live in that patience. We can wait for things. My last scripture this morning is Galatians 6 verse 15. And what counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. That is what counts. It doesn't matter whether you've been, if you're untransformed, but you are promoted into ministry because it won't last. You won't sustain it. But what does count is whether we've been transformed into new creations. Earlier on, I spoke of the need to reset our mind and our thinking. We're going to have some prayer time this morning. Why don't we just um, um, bow our heads while I just talk to you through a few things. Perhaps you're ready here this morning to trust Jesus with your life, with your future. You're thinking, well, I haven't actually made a decision and asked Jesus into my heart before. But when you make that decision, that declaration, Jesus enters your life, He enters your life and transformation begins. Sometimes those changes can be dramatic and sometimes they can be um, gradual, but it does it does come. You could be here today and your desire is to keep growing in your spirit. And I want to encourage you this morning on that journey of growth this year. May 2016 be a year that you grow. I don't want you to stand back looking into December going, well, you know what? I remember those messages, but I really didn't find what I needed and I stayed the same. Perhaps you need to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll lay hands on you this morning and pray. And I know you will receive the Holy Spirit if you ask. So I'm just going to ask people to come on out. Why don't we stand to our feet? The musicians are going to sing something nice for us.